Welcome back to The Genreless, where we take a deep dive on today's top podcast genres one at a time. I'm Nidia Serrano, Vice President of Sales Marketing at SXM Media, here to reveal all the best industry insider advice for advertisers. When we think about podcast hosts, who are the first people who come to mind? For me, I don't necessarily think about the media empires. I think about the independent podcasters, the ones who make podcasting so special. The beauty of podcasting is that anyone who has a passion for it can easily get started and cultivate an audience. And podcasts breed the most loyal and dedicated audiences out there, no matter the size of the fan base. As an advertiser, if you're only thinking about the big names, you're missing out. So, who are some of these indie podcasters? Let's get started by hearing from Felix Strange, an actor turned podcaster who created wooden overcoats with a group of friends a podcast drama and sitcom that lasted four seasons over seven years. Hi, I'm Felix Trench. I'm an actor. I'm from London and have been working in podcasts, audio drama for a shade under 10 years now. For someone like Felix, a working actor, podcasts had played a big role in his life already. I was listening to a little show called Serial that we've already mentioned. And I realized that podcasts were something other than I'd assumed. In the UK, uh, a lot of people, including myself, used podcasting as a way to catch up on shows on the radio. So um, it, it was like on-demand TV, but for radio shows. And then I listened to that and I went, oh, I see. This is something else. This is just an MP3 file. And when it came time to develop his own show, Felix looked to the radio for inspiration. I come from a theater background primarily. And with some friends, I was starting to work on a radio drama uh, company, and we were pitching around and couldn't really get anywhere because although there's a lot of radio drama in the UK, there are still more people who want to make it than certainly there were outlets at the time. So then my friends and I had this idea, what if we just made it ourselves and released it as a podcast? And uh, that turned into a sitcom and we released our first season of a sitcom called Wooden Overcoats in 2015, I think it was. It was eight episodes long. Each episode was half an hour. It was, from our perspective, very traditional. Sitcoms on the radio were a very common thing in the UK that we all grew up listening to. Uh, classically, the 6.30 Radio 4 slot is uh, comedy, so it's something that you listen to when you're chopping carrots. We just followed that path to make our own thing. We released our first season, which was eight episodes. And then off the back of that, crowdfunded future seasons. And in all, we made four seasons over seven years. Uh, the last season had 10 episodes, most of it crowdfunded with a bit of advertising and uh, also live show revenue and merchandising thrown in. For someone like Felix, a performer on the ground floor of independent podcasting, we were curious where he saw the industry going. I suppose I'm showing my cultural bias here, but these are things that I've slightly been waiting to happen in a bigger way because uh, they're very big in the UK already on the radio. Adaptations of out-of-copyright work, and we're starting to see a little bit of that. Uh, I've been lucky enough to be cast in a production of Dracula that is coming up. 
there've been one or two others, but for years I've been wondering when someone is going to be the first person to do a Sherlock Holmes, when's the first person to do a Pride and Prejudice. Let's get into some details. In particular, how independent podcasters can break into the space, starting with our Simplecast team. Hi, I'm Justine Ortiz-Benjamin, but most people call me JB. I look after the marketing for AdsWiz and Simplecast. These are two companies that have come together to bring indie podcasters everything they need from creation to monetization. Acquired by SiriusXM in 2020, Simplecast is a publishing, hosting, and analytics platform that helps podcasters share their content with millions of listeners with just a click of a button. Simplecast has helped boost careers from the basement to the big time, with a majority of podcasters on the platform being indie creators with powerful fan bases. It allows people like JB to see the bigger picture, including emerging trends in podcasts. We've been seeing a couple different things. So when you think about Simplecast um, and kind of the indie podcaster world, an indie podcaster can be really anything from mom and pop, like in their basement studio, to like a Dax, you know, shepherd in an armchair, right? So those are still really indie. Uh, when we look at kind of more of like the like the the Dax shepherds of the world, we're seeing a lot of sports. Uh, we're seeing a lot of news. We're seeing a lot of like tech companies um, lean into content that's community related. Um, and what I think you're seeing in general across all of these indie podcasters is the the community angle, the community vibe, the community feel, right? It could be community around your sports team. Um, it could be community around like local news or national news. And community around, well, community goes to show that there's really a podcast for everyone. And those listeners are extremely loyal and passionate about that topic. The other thing I saw, uh, it was really interesting when I was digging into some of the data uh, for Simplecast, is a cultural perspective. So we have French podcasters, we have Indian podcasters, we have Hispanic podcasters, and they're producing so much content that is multilingual that it's been really expanding. And you're seeing the downloads come not just from specific regions you're seeing them come from all over the world and then when we think about like you know more of your your niche and more of your really what maybe you might consider your true indie podcasters we're seeing fiction we're seeing so much great fiction out there um happening we're seeing wrestling we're seeing anime and then also diverse communities so multicultural as well as like lgbtq plus communities as well a lot of content is coming out with that as well so we've addressed the listener perspective. Why would an advertiser care about reaching different podcast communities with indie podcasters? I guess if we do a little bit of time machine, <laughs> before technology really let indie podcasters expand and get out into the world, advertisers were, were kind of just subjected to like the top 50 shows, right? It's what they knew. It's great. There's nothing wrong with the top 50 shows. You're getting reach, you're getting engagement, you're getting all of these amazing things. But to kind of call it back to that audio verse, right? Listeners outside of the top 50 shows are equally engaged. And indies need money too, you guys. And most of these big shows that you know today, they started as indies. Think about the audio chucks, the earwolves, the armchair umbrellas of the world. You know, heck, think of it this way. Invest in small businesses. 
I think that's really important. I think you're still getting an extremely engaged audience. Uh, and I think that you're you're expanding your reach. I think it is important to hit those top 50 shows. But when you're thinking about incremental reach and you're thinking about newer audiences that aren't oversaturated, I think that's a really good point. But as an advertiser, how do you work with indie podcasters? Obviously, you're not going to work with 100 different creators on a one-on-one basis. The answer? Programmatic buying. I was recently listening to a panel at Podcast Movement about programmatic podcast advertising. And one perspective that I didn't really think of was, was kind of like this reverse engineering, for example, which was the, the podcaster, which was a sports network, uses programmatic to really gain reach and find audiences. So what they're able to do is they look at that data and they go back to the advertiser and they'll say like, hey, we found your audiences listening to these shows. So now this is an opportunity for maybe a more branded experience. So now that you know where your audience exactly is, maybe have a deeper relationship with that host. Maybe think about a sponsorship. Maybe think about something that's different, which totally blew my mind. And then you had another person on the panel who was experiencing it, it, it the same way, which is which is finding the audiences through programmatic and through reach and then giving insights that that advertiser wouldn't have had before because they kind of would have been, you know, the power of host red is amazing. Um, host reds are turning automated now. So there's a lot more that's happening with that. But being able to give that host red feel and connection, but in an automated fashion, so you're having more reach and more scale. And it's it's kind of the best of both worlds, really. Let's take a closer look at the programmatic opportunity. And no one does it better than us here at SiriusXM. We spoke to our very own Jeremy Randall, VP of Programmatic at SXM Media, for more details. Uh, the programmatic podcast industry at this point in time is pretty wet cement, which to me screams an opportunity. You know, I like to use the plane analogy of building the plane as we're taking off. And I, uh, I think with, with new markets and new platforms, especially in the programmatic space, that's really exciting. You know, what we've seen in podcasts is a pretty big gap in terms of marketer investment versus consumer time spent in the podcast space, right? You look around the world, everybody's got their earbuds in, and many of our friends, our colleagues, our families are listening to all this great podcast content. Um, right now, from a programmatic perspective, eMarketer is predicting about 5% of podcast ad buys were bought programmatically last year, which means that the market at this point in time is a fraction of how buys are being transacted. Just 5%? I have a feeling that that number is about to change and get much, much, much larger. You know, I think a big result of that is that the podcast advertising industry has really lived in this custom host read show level world for years. And these executions work really well for advertisers seeking alignment with specific hosts and big shows. You know, if your brand loves Conan O'Brien, which many do, or Oprah or Ashley Flowers, these host read executions, custom executions make a, make a ton of sense for your brand. Similar to audio playlists, Podcasts, to me, are a reflection of really individual interests in who our listeners are. So from an advertising perspective, why should the industry focus on the top 50 shows, right? Podcasts are, by choice, 
they reflect our individuality, and there's a really diverse listenership across the spectrum of content. There are thousands of premium, interesting podcasts out there. Some of those are too small to, to stoke advertiser demand at an individual level. And from a publisher perspective, they're probably too hard to, to sell as standalones. But when you put all those podcasts together, all these shows, both the big ones and the small ones, make up a huge opportunity. And for anybody who's listening to a specific podcast on a specific topic that they're interested in, they're hugely important to us. Programmatic buying gives your podcast ad life across both the big and the small shows using precise targeting capabilities. This means that your brand is benefiting from and tapping into those super niche but loyal communities that you'd be missing out on if you only worked with these stars 101. Sounds great, but how does that work exactly? You know, the first thing as we, as we settled into and, and got into the programmatic podcast space, the first thing that we realized and wanted to build towards is that the programmatic market, whether it's podcast, streaming audio, display, whatever it might be, programmatic buyers demand transparency, plain and simple. So when we were building our podcast infrastructure for programmatic, it was really important for us to send all that transparency in the bid request. So... SXM provides publisher, show, episode, and IAB content category in our bid requests. And what this means is that select DSPs can surface this information in custom reports to give clients peace of mind for brand safety, right? They know exactly where they're running. What SXM is doing is we're trying to make these signals an up-and-coming industry benchmark, which I think sets us apart from our competitive set. We're also doing continued work with trade groups like the IAB working on a podcast RTB spec that at this moment in time is not standardized. What all this work does, both the foundation of transparency as well as the work that we're doing in tandem with other partners with the IAB, is set us up eventually for buy-side curation and brand suitability measurement. It's clear the programmatic podcast opportunity is advancing. And this brings major benefits to advertisers. Jeremy outlines three in particular. So there's a couple of advantages worth noting for programmatic. The first is cross-campaign management, right? So thinking about a podcast buy in the same DSP system as you would a CTV buy, an online video buy, a display buy, a social buy, or a streaming audio buy. Dovetailing on that is just DSP frequency management and attribution measurement right, across all these buys. Right now, podcasts, because of the way that we execute them in a host-read, show-level, direct I.O. buy, our marketers aren't seeing any of this information. So that's sort of advantage number one. The second is to maximize audience-based targeting and addressability, right? So to use and leverage some of the DSP tools in place, like cross-device graphs that are leveraged in the CTV programmatic market. The third is transparent show, episode reporting, and brand suitability measurement. All that is made possible by the foundation of transparency that we as SXM have set in our programmatic offering. This is also going to lead to a pretty short path to show-level decisioning on the buy side. SiriusXM, the IAB, the Trade Desk, and other big players are defining and creating the RTB spec to make sure transparency and measurement are at the forefront of the marketplace. That is totally table stakes for the programmatic market. And the last 
advantage to programmatic execution that I'd call out is a streamlined creative execution, right? You're creating one thoughtful audio asset that is relevant for the environment that you're serving the ad in, and you're buying that across the spectrum of podcasts. That's valuable, right? That saves us all time. The programmatic opportunity is extremely exciting and can take the podcast advertising industry to the next level. But what's next? What is on the horizon? No one can speak to this better than Thomas Rodriguez, Senior Director of Emerging Channels in Audio at the Trade Desk. It's two worlds colliding right now. It is an established programmatic way of buying media where brands get to come to the table and choose their own impressions, choose their own ad opportunities. And then you have podcasts that are traditionally host-read, and traditionally the host is sitting there endorsing a product. But now we're bringing those two worlds together, and it's super exciting. And even though it's new, it's moving very quickly. The same types of targeting, scale, brand safety solutions, and measurement solutions that you would see in a normal or an established podcast channel like CTV or Display are now all available in podcasting, and that's really exciting. So if programmatic is such a hit, why haven't brands been taking advantage of it? We haven't been talking a lot about the programmatic podcast industry, except for maybe starting last year going into this year, and that's because it's new. We have podcast advertising that it's well-established in the host-read format, and then we have programmatic media buying, which is well-established across formats like display and video and CTV. And those two worlds are coming together. Buyers like brands are, are jumping on, on, on board. And then you have publishers, premium publishers, who are also jumping on board to transact this way. And the reason why they're doing it is because there's more control for the brands and their media investment and also, there's just more money for content creators and podcasters. So uh, th- it's really a-, a good match for the industry, and it's growing very well. Let's repeat that again. More control for the brands and their media investment. As a marketer, that's music to my ears. The power of buying podcasts programmatically for a brand is that you can bring a lot of targeting to the table. Brands have developed high-value audiences that they really want to reach And programmatic helps you to do that on podcasting. Similarly, a brand might want to increase the amount of people they reach by managing frequency at the user level. Again, something you can do in podcasting. And then there's always the optimizations. Brands who are buying podcasts programmatically can go in and say, which types of content are performing best? Let's optimize. Let's, Let's push the budget that way. And for the content creators, the power of programmatic podcasting is really in getting access to new brand dollars that they haven't had access to before. That's also something at the forefront of our minds here at SXM Media. We want to make sure we're giving the creators the ability to continue what they love doing by advancing monetization and modernizing the industry. The creators are what make podcasting so special. Thomas gives advertisers some advice on how to approach programmatic buying. If I'm a brand and I'm looking at transacting podcasts programmatically, buying advertising on podcasts programmatically, the things I want to keep in mind are it is the same high-quality content than if I bought direct. It is the same content. The only difference is, is that 
me as a brand, I get to choose my impressions. And some of the ways you might want to choose your impressions is, is if you're a brand is by focusing on high value audiences, people may perhaps people who visited your website before. Number two is maybe capping the amount of ads you serve a single user or maybe optimizing towards performance. If you see a certain type of genre of podcasts that are really performing well for your campaign, maybe that's you want to start choosing impressions that fall under that genre. So there's a lot of power for brands when buying podcasts programmatically. There's a ton of power when brands buy podcasts programmatically. So what does brand success look like? The brands that are buying podcasts programmatically really well are not doing it in a vacuum. They're seeing podcasts as one piece of their programmatic media buy. They might include video, display, or CTV as more of an omni-channel execution where podcast plays a crucial role there. And in that omni-channel execution, they might be doing very specific types of targeting, such as geotargeting, focusing on maybe uh, one mile around their brick-and-mortar stores, also audience targeting, valuing certain audiences higher than others. And then lastly, they have creative that's built for podcasting. Some creatives do well when they're 35 seconds or longer. Uh, these brands are also leveraging their sonic branding, their, their key chime or, or the bell that represents their brand specifically. And lastly, they're, they're using repetition in their creatives. They are adding their call to action multiple times to ensure that the listener uh, knows what the brand expects from them. And now, let's look ahead. All of us here in the podcast industry are super excited about what's coming next. Let's hear what Thomas has to say about the future of programmatic. And after all the questions we have for him, he has some for us. I am excited to see programmatic podcasting continue to grow and the industry to continue to evolve. As brands and content creators gain more experience with programmatic podcasting, I hope we start looking at how programmatic podcasting performs beyond just podcasts. I want to understand how programmatic podcasting can help a television buy or can help a display direct response campaign. Does podcasting have a better brand recall than video? Can it help us get better incremental reach on a linear television campaign? These are the questions I think we're going to answer in the next couple of years. Marketers constantly ask themselves, how can I get more money for my ad spend? Can I combine major influence with major cost savings? Programmatic podcasts are taking the world by storm, marrying the best of marketing and media into one place where you can connect with powerful communities at scale in a brand safe environment. From Conan O'Brien to Felix Trench and everything in between. I'm Nidia Serrano, and this has been the indie podcast episode of The Generalist. Stay tuned for our next one, diving deep into another top podcast genre and how advertisers can make their mark. Thanks for listening. <laughs>